You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue. this, this the pod is the pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. You smell that, Knicks fans? That's the smell of a statement win. You smell that, Knicks fans? That is the smell of an IQ masterclass. You smell that, Knicks fans? That is the makings of an Eastern Conference contender. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast. I am EJ Stewart, joined by Tommy Beer. Tommy, what a win we have to talk about on this show. We'll be talking about this amazing double overtime when Knicks got against the Celtics. We'll also preview uh, their game coming up on Tuesday against the uh, Charlotte Hornets and then uh, a really major story that's kind of impacting the entire league regarding the situation with John Morant. So we'll talk about that as well, but what a win the Knicks got in Boston on Sunday. Uh, yeah, nothing. I figure we, you know, should we talk maybe about some offseason signings or, you know, think about, look, look at the draft <laughs> position or, I think this uh, – no, I think we have so, something to talk about here. And, um, you know, we've kind of mentioned it, <clears throat> that the Knicks were kind of trending in the direction of a, of a team that is legitimate. Um, they have arrived, folks. Um, nine in a row. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the uh, you could make an argument the best week for a Knicks team in, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, hmm. Maybe, you know, you know Linsanity's in the conversation. Um, yeah. You know, but beating the Celtics, then the Nets, then the Heat in Miami, then, you know, the cherry on top of a a week-long Sunday, uh, IQ 38 Spech in Boston to beat the Celtics. A Celtics team that was desperate for a victory. Yeah. This Knicks team right now, um, listen, 20 and 12 on the road this season, that's tied for the most road wins this season, 28 and 16 against the Eastern conference this season. That's tied with the Celtics for the, be- for the most wins against Eastern conference opponents this season. Mm-hmm. This isn't a little stretch. This isn't a, you know, a fun little team expectations are raised. Now the Knicks have arrived. They did this without Jalen Brunson. They're on court leader. They're the starting point guard. This is a team win as much as it is, you know, remembered as the IQ game, but you know, a team win. And, and again, no team's going to say it. No player's going to say it. Nobody wants to face these Knicks in the 2023 playoffs. Could not agree with you more. We'll get more into this game. But again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. You can get these episodes of the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. We drop three times a week. This will be the first episode of this week, hopefully another week of wins. That's all we've been talking about for the last two or three weeks as the Knicks have been on this nine-game winning streak. So uh, make sure you down, hit the auto-download feature on your podcast uh, streaming service so you can get these episodes. And also check us out on YouTube. You can watch our full episodes and segments of these episodes on the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel. So check us out on YouTube. Check us out on whatever your streaming service is. We're coming at you any way we can. Just like the Knicks, we're coming out of the gates hot in this one. So let's talk about this this big win. So the Knicks sent a statement to the entire NBA, outlasting the Boston Celtics 131-129 on the road. The Knicks got a heroic performance from Emmanuel Quickly. He was inserted into the starting lineup for an injured Jalen Brunson who sat out this game with a sore foot. 
uh, Brunson, we, we hurt that foot in a, a miraculous game. We didn't even get to talk about was that Miami Heat win they had on Friday. Brunson got hurt in that game, finished that game, but was unable to play on Sunday. Quickly goes into the starting lineup. He plays 55 minutes in this game, scores 38 points, a career high. He also adds eight rebounds. He adds seven assists. He scored seven points in the second overtime period. He scored the Knicks' first seven points of that second overtime period in which they found a way to win. He also got 31-9 and nine from Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett at 29 points and 11 rebounds. It was a back-and-forth game. The Knicks got up. Uh, got down by 14 points in the fourth in the, in the third quarter. It looked like the game was going to slip away. Then they stormed back. They ended up going up 12 in the fourth. And then, you know, typical Knicks fashion, the Celtics come back and they forced the game to overtime. Um, the game really came down to one possession. The Celtics had the ball, Knicks up two. Uh, Tatum passing to Horford in the corner for a three. Mitchell Robinson contests. Horford misses. Celtics lose. Knicks win. Um, Tatum finished with 40 in this one. Jalen Brown added 29. This is nine straight wins for the New York Knicks. So, Tommy, I'll start it here. Is this the best win of the Knicks season? Yeah, I think you can certainly say that. Um, all the factors coming into the game, because remember, um, not only had the Knicks beaten the Celtics earlier this week, uh, Monday at the Garden, Celtics had a very disappointing loss against the Nets where they gave up a huge 28-point lead. They wanted this win. Um, and this, and, and because of that reason, the intensity was ratcheted up right from the very start. Uh, the commentators talked about it. You could feel the physicality, uh, you know, f- watching the game on TV. Um, certainly the players, uh, you know, the, the, just the emotions. This was a playoff atmosphere. This was a playoff intensity type game. So for the Knicks to beat the Celtics, who have basically been the best team in the NBA previous to their stumbles the last couple of weeks for the, you know, for 80, 90% of the season, um, you know, or at least in the conversation with the Bucks and the Nuggets, um, you know, they, for the Knicks to go into Boston, beat that team that was really looking for a win without their starting point guard, I think speaks volumes. And, you know, the, the, the wins kind of have compounded upon each other. So it's like, you know, Friday was probably the best one of the season until Sunday. Um, last Uh-oh. Monday was the best win of the season until, until Wednesday. So these things Uh-oh. are, you know, continue to, to, you know, and, and, and again, we, and we've talked about it previously, the one knock against the Knicks during their eight game winning streak back in December was the quality of opponents. Um, that's out the window. The Knicks are beating good teams. Um, they're destroying bad teams. Um, and, you know, so it's just there, there's a, um, certainly, you know, there's some other games in the conversation. Um, but to me, considering the stakes, um, the anticipation, the, the intensity of the game for the Knicks to go into Boston and, you know, Tatum 40 point game, Jalen Brown, 29, they're two big guys, um, doing what they do, uh, for the Knicks to win that contest, I think speaks volumes. And yeah, I think it probably qualifies as the best one of the year. Yeah, I, I would agree. This to me is the best Knicks win. But at this point, the Knicks are getting to the point where you almost can't even keep saying best win of the season anymore because the Knicks are now a good team. Like you now have to expect that the Knicks can beat the top teams in the NBA, which is a statement that I would not think I would be saying a month ago or a month and a half ago. But with the way they've been playing pretty much since the calendar of 2023, these are just the things the Knicks can do. <laughs> like They can go into Boston and beat a desperate Celtics team that's trying to get a win when they got Tatum and Brown both combining for what, what 70, almost 80, almost uh, 69 points, almost 70 points in this one. Like that, you think you put that on a number, you say, okay, Knicks lose that one. There's no way they come up with that game, but this is what the Knicks can do now. Like this is the way they're, they're capable of beating people. And um, Emmanuel quickly in this one, 
just a, a masterclass. And it, it, it was it was a truly crazy to kind of watch him dominate the Celtics. So that's what was happening. Um, the Celtics, I thought, made some crucial mistakes in terms of how they were guarding quickly in this game. The Celtics play a switch everything defense. And I think in some ways they kind of it, it, it they kind of mess they knew the Knicks playbook so well that at times they were able to just kind of like have the Knicks run their pistol action and get the exact guy they want on RJ or the exact guy they want on Randall after like four switches. It was crazy how good the Celtics were defensively. But when they got to uh, the fourth quarter in overtime, they were doing this non-switch defense and the Knicks kind of went away from their offense. They kind of stopped running sets, which hurt them in one sense, but actually helped them because it was a, it allowed IQ to heat seek Grant Williams. So Grant Williams, who is a pretty good defender, but not good at defending guard and point guard, not a guy like IQ, is guarding Emmanuel quickly. I thought that that was a massive mistake because IQ was just barbecuing him. Um, I, I you know there was a lot of issues with Missoula and how he closed that game, but I thought that that was a, a big mistake and IQ took advantage. Um, just the confidence he had. He's a complete scorer now. This is a guy. Remember, he couldn't finish at the rim. Everything was floaters or or, or contested shots. Now he's able to finish at the rim. Now he's blowing by guys clean. Like he would, and, and that's the other thing I want to mention about him too. I, we don't under, and I've said this before on this show. And I want to, this is the podcast I'm going to stand 10 toes down and really emphasize this. We do not talk about how well conditioned Emmanuel quickly is. I know it's because he plays short minutes. I know, like, we think, okay, he's playing 25 minutes, he's giving you all the energy. But this guy just, he outlasts everybody. I mean, he, IQ the Iron Man is what I called him after this game because. It just was clear that everybody else, and I'm talking to all nine guys, the Celtic guys and the Nick guys, all were just exhausted by the end of this game. And this was the only guy that was still playing like it was the first quarter. He's just running guy by guys clean. There were plays in the fourth quarter where fast breaks, but he's just running past everybody for layups. And I think that is a testament to the work he did in the offseason. You saw the, the weightlifting he was doing. You saw the conditioning stuff he was doing. He was posting that stuff. And I think that it played a, a massive massive uh, advantage for him in this game bro two minutes into the second overtime uh, so he's 53 52 minutes into the game at this point he scores the first seven points as second overtime and is skipping up and down the yep. floor skipping skip to my loo like my daughter up and down the street yeah. um you know to going to the toy store just skipping playing with so much joy and enthusiasm and happiness um yeah you're 100 right on his conditioning and the thing about some bench guys when they lock heavy minutes and, and iq's up over 31 minutes a, a, per game this year um is a lot of times they don't have the benefit of starting coming out and then going back in again they got to play long stretches um stretches right. at a time we see hart do this we've seen you know obviously since he arrived um and iq has done this where else come in the third quarter and play the rest of the way um you know if, if he has a, a hot hand um and, and that's what he did um a couple of things on Emmanuel quickly, and you know we could we could we could spend the, the whole hour of this podcast about that game um, and, and his performance and his progression. Um, Fifty five minutes, one turnover for a guy playing point guard uh, for somebody who, re, who who some 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 folks claimed couldn't play point guard. I know. Um, uh, Emmanuel quickly the last twelve games he started um, dating back to the final game of the regular season, the 20, uh, 21-22. He started 12 games in that span. He's averaging over those 12 games, averaging 20.8 points, 5.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists versus just one turnover. That seems pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, and having that, you know, and, and, and something we've talked about, you know, before 
is the when you know now it's not even if when the Knicks get to the postseason, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's uh, knock on wood, some crazy doesn't happen. You, how would they fare? Because you know history tells us you need a superstar to be competitive right. and, and you know and make any real substantial noise in the, in the postseason. But the Knicks don't have a superstar, but they do have two talented, high caliber guys playing at an All NBA level in Brunson and and uh, Randall, of course. Now you factor in IQ's, you know, his projection, his trajectory. Um, you know, he's not on that all-star level yet, but he showed, you know, Sunday night in Boston. Um, and to your point, Brunson scored, um, uh, Jason Tatum scored 40 points. Jalen Brown scored 29. Jason Tatum's going to finish in the top five in MVP voting this year. Yeah. Um, he had 40, 11, and six last night. He was the second best player on the court. Emmanuel yeah. quickly was the best player in the game last night um, in, in an important game for both teams. Um, and it just, again, it speaks volume about how well, um, you know, he continues to grow as a player. Um, the evolution he's taken, never complain, never bellyached about coming off the bench last season when we all thought he should have started. Um, just put his nose down, got to work, grinded out, got bigger, got stronger. And as you know, he's a three level scorer now. Um, and we've talked about the 38 points. We didn't. We haven't even discussed his defensive last night. His ability to edge over screens, fight through, uh, draw offensive fouls by doing the Brunson things, by fighting over uh, screens. His length, his ability, the way he sees the floor and helps his teammates, and um, you know switches and runs back. Um, there's just so much. And and to your point, the Celtics had a great game plan. Um, and it worked, you know, they're switching and, and whenever, and we'll talk about that too. Whenever yeah. Randall turned around and spun, a second guy would come strip him from the ball happened a bunch of times. Randall finished with seven turnovers uh, happened a few times in the clutch. But one of the reasons the Knicks were able to get offense is because they got out of their sets. And the one yeah. player on their team that is great at freewheeling with the ball in his hands is Emmanuel quickly. He'll take those heat check threes first possession of the game. He pulls <laughs> from 29 feet and drains. Yeah. You know, and and you could just see the confidence brimming and building. Um, and he had fun the whole way. Um, and uh, you know, and and the Knicks had Nick fans had fun watching. Um, and the one thing you know that, and I wrote about it this morning was, for years now we've been kind of a you know Nick fans that have you know listen the Knicks lost have lost more games this century than any team in the NBA. Nick fans yeah. are basically you know through PTSD and you know in a in a traumatic relationship used to being you know they just see the the, the you know the light at the end of the tunnel know it's a train coming the wrong way and and, right. and and have been conditioned to believe that whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I found myself thinking in that third quarter Knicks down 13 uh, in the guard in Boston against the team with Tatum that look over win no point guard Randall scuffed a little bit Grimes was invisible last night yeah but somehow some way you I just kind of had this feeling Nick's probably gonna win it Nick's have a chance to win they at least have a wow. chance to win this game they're up in the fourth quarter they're down it's it's tight it goes in overtime Nick's I think Nick's are, might find a way to win this game uh, second you know the start a second overtime IQ scores seven points in a row um Nick's are gonna find a way to win this game and and you know the last second shot Horford has a good look a shot you know he's made six three pointers that game you think it knocks down but sometimes the basketball the basketball gods just shine on you um and then you just you know and that team you just have a sense about you know the right place at the right time chemistry whatever you want to use um the Knicks are that team at this moment and it's fun to watch I'll tell you what this Knicks team the execution is not always perfect in fact oftentimes it's very imperfect but the perseverance and the toughness this team has is special because you, that game, 
I know you could bang on the officiating every game of an NBA season, probably. I thought that that was one of the worst officiated games I've seen from the Knicks uh, on a Knicks game all season. I mean, Marcus Smart is just launching himself all over the court, and he's tricking the refs. And it, it was it was embarrassing to me the amount of times he was able to trick the refs. I mean, there was a foul on Mitchell Robinson where IQ crosses him up. He falls over Mitchell Robinson's foot, and he called the, they call the moving screen. I mean, some of this stuff, which is crazy. I mean, he fouled Randall four times before Randall finally elbows him in the face because he's like, yo, get off of me. And look, Randall deserved that tech. I had no problem with the tech, honestly. He's lucky he didn't get thrown out. And I, was, I had no problem with the elbow because I'm like, he's fouled this guy four times on that play. And, and, and the thing that bothers me about the most about that, that particular, I like Smart. I respect Smart. If he's on, yeah, if he's, so do I. If he's not on your team, you hate him. If he's on your team, you love him. We get all that. Um, the issue I have is, the, is that particular foul with the elbow on Randall. I had a coach in college who told us, if you elbow a guy in his in his in his mouth and knock out his teeth i will buy you a steak dinner after the game because one it isn't a foul the offensive player is allowed to have that space if a guy gets up to you and is literally less than one inch from your body how could as an offensive player you are allowed to turn around um so that's just a pet peeve of mine i've always that 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 foul has always bothered me that a defender can kind of cheat the system and get that foul goal yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And he was he was on one. I mean, and it, it seemed like every time the Knicks were making a run, it was like watching, you know, a Ric Flair wrestling match where every time the babyface making a run and Ric Flair, you know, grabs the ref and low blows the you know, face right when the guy's making a run. That's what it felt like watching Marcus Smart. It felt like every time the Knicks were making a run, like the Knicks were up 12, they have the ball. And I'm like, all right, they're going to put these guys away. What does he do? He just finds Obi Toppin and it just falls right in front of him. And they, he gets a he gets a charge. They come back. They start to get two threes. Now a 12-point game to six point game. I'm like, the Knicks will have to put these guys away in the fourth quarter in that possession. So I mean, Marcus Smart, the officiating last night, absolutely horrendous. Joe Joe Mazzula was, you know, threw a couple veiled shots at the refs after Monday's game. And it's yeah. a shame because that shouldn't impact Sunday's game, but it looked like it did. And I'm never I don't talk about the refs too much, but that was that was poorly officiated game. And it yeah, seemed like, and like it was a reaction to Monday's game. I know Ed Malloy was out there. I didn't even recognize those other two refs. I was like, who are these guys? Like, <laughs> and I know I watched a lot of NBA games. I was like, I don't even know who these guys are. Like, the guy that Randall was arguing with that gave him the tech. I said, like, I've never seen this ref before. So I don't know if that was a, a I don't want to say a younger team, but maybe a, a less experienced team around Ed Malloy. But I thought he lost control of that game. Also, I agree with you on on Randall could have got ejected for that. You know, he basically Absolutely. showed the ref that I helped, you know, but and then he got the tech for it. He the ref did a good job by walking away and not prompting Randall. And but Randall also did a good job. You could see it on the broadcast. I thought that was cool, where he literally took a few deep breaths and lowered his hands. I think again, we've talked about his interaction with the media, his interaction with his teammates. That's a that's another sign of progression. Randall last year would have got thrown out of that game yeah, at that absolutely. Moment would have Absolutely. body slammed somebody and, <laughs> and, 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 and went to yeah. so credit to Randall for, for uh, his maturity. He talks about his mentals in check. That was, that was a clear sign of it last night. Yeah. I thought honestly, as bad as the officiate was in the game, I thought that was an instance where both people showed good restraint. Yes. Randall not body slamming that ref for that ridiculous call and the ref for not throwing him out for bumping him. I thought both, I was like, okay, this is the one thing I could say this is actually done. Well, everything else about that game was miserable. Speaking on Randall, I got to be honest about Randall's game last night. The totality of his numbers will look fine besides the turnovers. Um, I think he had some big shots in this game. I don't think he played a good game last night. Uh, some of those turnovers he had, uh, some of the block shots he had where, you know, he's shooting and Jason, you know, Jalen Brown was just ripping the ball out of his hands as he's going up for shots. Like, he's got to be better than what he was. Um, I didn't really quite understand the Knicks thinking that they could keep 
attacking smart with Randall. Like, if anybody watches Celtics, you know, my brother who hosts the New Generation Sports Talk with me, he's a Celtics fan. So I watch Celtics a lot. Like, the Celtics actually like putting Marcus Smart on bigger, powerful, wing type guys. So that's a match that they're extremely comfortable with. So I didn't really like his approach to how he was attacking this team. When he saw Grant Williams, that's a match we usually dominate. So he was trying to be aggressive. But the, the, the just turning his back on the South defense and spinning was leading to a lot of turnovers. I thought on the last possession, I guess it was regulation or overtime. I forgot which one it was. IQ brings the ball up the court. IQ should have been the guy who had the ball in his hands on that final possession. He kind of bullies IQ into giving him the ball. I know Randall hit a monster shot in Miami, and that was a great shot. I, I, I know he can hit those shots. But with the way IQ was playing, the way out, and how red hot he was, I thought Randall got a little hero ballish last night, and that was a little frustrating. In some ways, I thought as good as he played in some instances, I thought he hurt the team. And also, his defense and rebounding up until overtime was awful. I mean, it was a lot of the old Randall. It was, you know, not seemed to be kind of in tune, uh, late on rotations, not boxing people out. Um, Randall has held himself accountable all season, so I don't expect that he'll play that way again. But I just think it needs to be noted that um, that 31-9, and nine, they needed the totality, the volume of that of those numbers, but he needs to play a lot better than that. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you at all. Um, but I, I think it's noteworthy to point out that 31 on 50% shooting, he was 11 to 22. I know. Uh, nine rebounds, four assists qualifies as, and, can, and it can still be a bad game from Randall. That's as, yeah. that's as good that's as, as he's, good he's, he's playing exactly. as he's, as he's played of late. Um, and I agree with you defensively. Um, he wasn't up to snuff uh, a Sunday night. I think, a lot of it, so part of it is partly due to the excessive minutes he's played. Um, you know, he hasn't missed a game all season to his credit. Interestingly, he talked about um, he doesn't believe in load management. He understands the science. I have my own science, he said. Um, and then they asked him about it after the game, after he logged another close to 15 minutes of double overtime. He's like, you know what? Maybe I'll reconsider. Um, he said it joking around with a smile. Um, but I honestly might, should the Knicks consider sitting him out Tuesday night uh, in Charlotte, or at least limiting like 25 minutes or so. Um, I think that might be something that, you know, that the Nick could consider. Uh, we, we, you know, Brunson, the, the Brunson injury as well. We'll talk about that preview in yeah. Tuesday night's game. Um, and we can talk about this after as well, but um, I think we can, I, I, I don't have a problem with Randall taking or, or attempting, didn't even get a shot up, attempting to take the right. last shot. I think he's earned that. Um, you know, over the last, certainly after Friday night and over the last three or four months, like Brunson was on the floor. Brunson's going to get those shots more often than not when he's in the game. Um, so I think Brunson, I think Randall entered the game believing I got to step up. I got to right. play at a higher level um, and just put a little bit extra pressure on himself um, and seemed a little bit worn down at times. So we'll see again um, whether he sits out Tuesday night or not. There's 15 games I think left in the season. The Knicks are look like they have a very good chance at securing the five seed, um, if not the four seed, but being in that four five slot. Um, now we have to think about okay, what's best for when we get to the playoffs for that first round series? Should we start to you know taper Randall's minutes for a few minutes so hopefully he's as fresh as possible um, heading into the uh, you know in, once once April arrives in mid April and that and that first round starts. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Randall and, and the fatigue and the low management comments because he also, after Friday's game, there was a question he was asked and he was like, bro, I'm so tired. I don't even know what you just told me. Yeah, um, yes. So uh, I, I also, I think that that the lack of rebounding and defense that we saw was it contributed, was, 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 can be attributed to 
I think fatigue. I, I think he is tired. Like I, I think I tweeted last time. I was like, he looks exhausted in this game. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why he wasn't really given the effort we are used to seeing from him defensively and on the boards. Um, so yeah, they gotta be smarter how they, how they finish this season. This is a, a Hornets game they have coming up that you would think they should be able to watch these guys. So uh maybe this is a time where Obi Topping can get more reps. One thing I thought was good about that game was it did give IQ the chance to start and play a lot. Um, and, and it gave uh, Deuce McBride a chance to, you know, get off the bench and, and, and get some minutes as well because you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs and he needs to be used at certain points. So I, I thought that Brunson – that's why I was happy they sat Brunson. I, I tweeted, I was like, I think they should sit him. He's questionable. He shouldn't play. Um, this is a, you know, they've won eight in a row at this point. There's a team they know they can beat already. Yes. They've beaten them on the road. They've beaten them at home. Like, it's a rivalry game. It's national TV. You want to win. But, like, there's, there's actually – things that could be that could be beneficial to the team by Brunson actually sitting. And the fact that they still got a win just <laughs> illustrates just how good this Knicks team is. I mean, I look at this Knicks team and I've been saying, and I, I keep moving this goalpost now because the expectations keep changing. I kept saying, okay, Knicks face Cleveland. I think they could beat them in the, in the play in the playoff series. Then I saw Philly. That's all the Knicks play against Philly. I'm like, all right, Knicks play against Philly. I think that they could, they could, they could face Philly. And they could, they could square up with Philly. I'm adding Boston to that Knicks now. The Bucks right now to me are the only team I would say, okay, Knicks face them. It's it's gonna be tough sledding. I don't I don't I don't know how they win that series. I don't think that the Knicks can. I, I I'm not saying I don't. I'm definitely picking the Knicks against the Celtics, but I don't look at the Celtics right now as a team that the Knicks can't beat in a seven game series. The Knicks just seem very confident, and it goes back to even last season. They had those great games last season against the Boston Celtics, even when they were a terrible team last season. Yeah. It just feels like they played very confident against them. I I, I don't know what it is. They seem to like these matches. RJ Barrett, who I think has kind of been the most kind of like untalked about player in this game. He was a hero in this game, the way he played. He actually kind of supplemented IQ scoring in a lot of different parts of this game. Um, he seems to play very confident against Boston Celtics. He had 29-11 in this one. We mentioned IQ. Randall sees Grant Williams. He thinks he should be able to dominate him every time he sees him. We, they didn't have Jalen Brunson, but Jalen Brunson has had his way with the Celtics this season earlier as well. I just I mean, the Celtics are a great team. I'm not saying that you know the, the Knicks are, are, are going to walk or walk through them, but I, there are there's only one team in the Eastern Conference that I'm I'm fearful of if I'm a New York Knicks right now. Listen, it's fair. Um, obviously, the Celtics would be a heavy favorite. Um, I don't yeah, know, maybe, not even, maybe not even a heavy favorite, but obviously favorite in a series as yeah. with the Sixers. Um, but I agree with you. It wouldn't be shocking to see the Knicks make some of those, make the Cavs sweat. If not, you know, it, maybe New York might be favorite at this point. Um, I saw CBS, uh, I saw on Twitter just before we hopped on, CBS has the Knicks ranked number one um in the league in their in their latest power rankings you know part of that is because they have the you know it's it's more on the hottest team and obviously the Knicks have right. a long win streak in the NBA right now with, with the Bucks uh, winning streak snapped over the weekend so um yeah I, I listen the game before uh on uh, the national TV game before the Knicks Celtics was Suns Mavs and you know the right. Knicks yeah, Knicks fans got to keep an eye on it because when they face the Suns assuming the Suns come out of the west in the finals we'll see who has <laughs> the advantage you know um you know, so maybe we're, maybe we're looking a little bit too far ahead. And again, um, but you're right. Listen, uh, it's certainly we've got to the stage now where the Knicks shouldn't be afraid. And as I mentioned, teams would uh, are not going to admit it, but they would definitely prefer to play a a, a non Knicks team in the first round if given their choice, because the Knicks are at 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 worst a live dog at the moment. Um, a couple quick things you mentioned, RJ. Uh, credit to Barrett. Um, not only did he have 29 points, he kind of set the tone early. He got going. Yeah. 
the thing with RJ, he just seems so much. It's clear he's more comfortable being that second guy. Yeah. Um, so when when Brunson's out of the lineup, he's more of a featured player, a little bit more space on the floor for him to drive, and he has a little more offensive freedom. Um, you can tell when he's the th- uh, uh, the way the Knicks are structured and they're kind of rigid. You know, uh, you, the way they the, the way they run their offense. The third best player is really often relegated to spot up three pointers or you know spot up shots, yeah. um, and that's not where RJ Barrett's going to excel. Um, when he's at his best, you know, over the first few years of his career, it's when he's you know kind of a focal point of the offense, attacking, playing downhill. Um, he doesn't really have as much an opportunity to do that um, with with uh, uh, Brunson uh, and Randall on the floor together. So um, you know, I, th- I thought he played well last night in a, in a game he knew the Knicks needed him. Um, he stepped up and, uh, you know, again, there's some warts there. Um, you don't love the inefficiency. Um, there were some defensive plays that, that weren't great. Um, but overall, um, competitiveness um, and just, you know, he, he supplied points when the Knicks needed points. So credit for RJ for a big game. Yeah, just an awesome win all around. Um, Knicks outlast the Boston Celtics. Still in that fifth spot. Still eyeing that fourth spot. We'll see how this goes but just a just a awesome moment and this is an awesome moment for Knicks fans just even seeing just the celebration of Knicks fans on social media after that win and to see how many people are engaged with this team now um you know like you mentioned the PTSD Knicks fans face there are a lot of Knicks fans who you know really don't want to I think get engaged because they don't want to be hurt again you know so like so they're kind of just like oh yeah we'll see what happens but, but there are a lot of people watching that game because they've been hearing about how the Knicks have been playing and they're playing at the Boston Celtics team they beat earlier in the week. And now the Celtics have Brown playing in this game. So there's no excuses. Now Bronson's out. So let's see how they do. And they come up with that win. Phenomenal, phenomenal performance by the New York Knicks. So the Knicks are back in action Tuesday. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets come to town to face the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Charlotte has lost three straight after losing to Brooklyn on Sunday. They got washed by the Nets in, in that game. They were down by as much as 37 points. In the third quarter, they ended up coming back a little bit, but they lost 102-86 in that game. The Hornets are just 20-46 and on the season. The Knicks won the first two meetings between these two teams, the last one being a 121-102 blowout in Charlotte on December 2nd. The Hornets have been dealing with a lot of injuries uh, all season, none more devastating than the ones to LaMelo Ball. He fractured his ankle last week and expected to miss the rest of the season, so no LaMelo Ball in this one I saw. Uh, Coach Clifford talked about how he felt like the team has dealt with the bad luck that they've had well, with the exception of that Brooklyn game where they went down almost 40 points in the third quarter. So any concerns about a a Knicks letdown coming into this game Tuesday where again expected to be heavily favored? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you know, this is a classic trap game uh, coming off the high of a Sunday night national television victory. It's also the Knicks' last home game before four four game road trip. Um, they head out west after Tuesday's game. They play Sacramento, the, the Red Hot Kings, uh, on Thursday night. Um, but I, you know, I would have said last Wednesday, you know, when the Knicks had just beaten the Celtics in a in a huge win, um, that was arguably the best win of the season at the time. That the Nets were coming in and the Nets would be fired up and the Knicks might have a little bit of letdown. They blow out. Brooklyn. Then they go down to Miami. Okay, the winning streak has to snap at some point. Two great wins at home. They're flying down to Miami. Maybe this is the game the Knicks kind of overlook. And, you know, a Miami team desperate for a victory. No letdown. Beat Miami on an you know on a Randall double bang buzzer beater. Fly to Boston. Okay, down, you know, in double digits in the second half. Maybe this is the no game. Person. You know, let go of the rope. Let's, yeah. you know, regroup. This team doesn't do that. 
Yeah. You know, we, there's a lot of things to criticize Tibbs for, but, you know, he demands that these guys are accountable, um, you know, or, or just, you know, seem to be motivated to play each and every game. Um, so I, I, I would say that, that you know, sure, that you should be, you know, it's a, it's a, it's on paper, it's a spot for a letdown game. Uh, but this Knicks team have not given us any reason to believe um, that they're like teams of the past are, are, are headed that direction. Um, but again, I, I my concern, my th- I, I think it's at least worth discussing whether not only should the Knicks continue to give Brunson another day off, because it's important to note, he didn't, it, he sprained it or tweaked his right ankle um, Friday night in Boston. And then he went back to the locker room, had it taped, came back and played. It was his left foot that, you know, he popped up on the injury report with left foot soreness on Sunday. Yeah. Tibbs downplayed the injury, said it's not that serious. I think that was ex- his exact quote. Um, but listen, anytime you have a, you know, a, 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 an NBA player, and everybody's a little bit dinged up, but for enough for Jalen Brunson to sit out a game on national television against Boston with a chance for the Knicks to win nine in a row, um, that that worried me a little bit um, because this right. team is only going to go as far as Brunson goes. Um, we'll see, you know, what, what the injury report list, you know, should come out later today. We're, we're recording this Monday afternoon uh, around noon. We'll see what happens, um, and, you know, what, what he's listed on the injury report for Tuesday's game. Um, but I think they should definitely rest him for that game um you know he's going to fight to come back as soon as he's in, in any way shape or form close to playing um but not only should they consider sitting brunson out but letting him get an extended like four day mini vacation four days of rest maybe sit randall out too um you know he's going to want to play all 82 this season so i, I assume he probably won't um but even yeah. even if he does play um you know as you as you mentioned let him play 27 minutes and give Obi 18 minutes on 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 uh, Tuesday night and maybe Thursday or Saturday. You know, whatever the case may be. Let IQ uh, let uh, Obi's minutes start to increase over the next couple of weeks while Randall's gets tailed down a little bit. Yeah, I think to me, like when I think of letdown, I don't really think of it for this Knicks team in this game as a letdown in mentality because this Knicks team seems to have a mentality that is uh, ironclad. It seems like a team that they're a seek and destroy kind of squad right now. Like they they want to go out there and they want to. Uh, beat you up and and as I've been saying, lock you down. So I I don't necessarily worry about them coming to the game with the wrong mentality and overlooking Charlotte. I worry about um just the legs. Like will they have the legs? Will they have enough energy left in the tank? I mean that was a lot that they spent uh in that game against the Boston Celtics. You go double overtime. IQ plays the entire second half and then plays all of the both overtime periods. A lot of guys logging north of forty and fifty minutes. This this is that is where I get a little concerned coming into this game. Like, could they just come out and just not have the legs? Charlotte is awful. I mean, they they really if you look at their roster, like they're just not a good team. But they are an NBA team. So if you really are as gassed the way the Knicks may be, any team can be dangerous. So I would be worried about worried about that in this one. I think when I think about this matchup, the one matchup I think that is interesting because it's a guy that I love coming out of the draft and he's starting to play really well is Mark Williams. And a guy who I think in many ways, Charlotte looks at him and, and kind of wants to kind of mold him into a Mitchell Robinson type player. Uh, he's had some really impressive games. He had a 20 rebound game recently. And if you watch him at Duke, this is what he was doing at Duke. He's a monster on the basket, dunking alley-oops, blocking shots. I'm really, really interested to see that match between him and Mitchell Robinson in this one. Because in some ways, I think Mark, uh, Mark Williams is kind of like, one of these young rising centers who we'll be talking about maybe in three, four years with Mitchell Robinson and being one of the better uh, defensive anchors in the league. 
Yeah, definitely. Mark Williams is from the Mitch Rob, you know, Time Lord Rob Williams mold. Um, yeah. A young, dynamic, athletic, high flying, uh, big. So yeah, that, that another uh, another um, important matchup for Mitch. Um, we didn't even mention him. Fourteen and thirteen last night. Yeah, um, you know, continues to play at a very high level on both yeah. ends of the floor. Um, Hit some clutch free throws too. Yes. He didn't make yeah. a lot, but he made some. He made some. Yep. They had to yep. make some. Yeah. Three of six. Um, you know, he, and he made a, a um one particular the next final point was a was a Mitch Rob free throw, one one of two. Yeah. Um and um so yeah, that that that's that's obviously something to keep an eye on. Um, but uh, you know, again again, the you know in the in the in the loss to Brooklyn, Bryce McCowan's played 20 minutes. You know, Sfee Mikhailuk, the, the former Nick, um, yeah. was on the bench for nine minutes. Nick Richards. Um, you know, those, those are guys that the that the that the um, uh, that the Hornets are going to have to rely on. You know, from the bench. Whereas the Knicks are coming in with Josh Hart. Um, you know, IQ if he's back on the on the second unit, that's where the Knicks can really separate themselves. Um, you know, from these lesser teams because that's where you see usually you know in a, in a in a trap game your stars will have a night off, but the Knicks aren't really reliant as we've seen on one player or two players or three players. Um, it's that 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 uh, that ability to kind of pick up next man up mentality um, that has really been a key driver in the Knicks' success, uh, especially over the past three months. And now um, again over the last three months. Dating back to December 4th, Knicks 29 and 14. Only two teams in the NBA have more wins than Nuggets and the Bucks. Um, that's three months worth worth of data here. And so again, mm-hmm. Knicks have arrived. The Knicks are legit. And I got I gotta get a I gotta get a bounce back game from Quentin Grimes. Uh yes. because one of the we didn't talk about was how awful he was in this one. That that file he had on Jalen Brown was uh just drove me mon- I was maniacal after that file. I could not believe how, you know, in a play in which you're up three. And you're willing to give up a two. He's trying to shoot the ball, and then he grabs the guy's arm, and it doesn't follow him hard enough to yes, secure yeah. him not scoring a basket. Just a, a terrible play. Um, he was a pretty much a non-factor in this one. Too many times I thought in this game he was, you know, making those drives on those closeouts, and he's not looking to score. And we know he's a good passer, but he's like he's got to also look to score. Like if the defense, I thought and again the Celtics. They're, they're very well coached outside of some of the mistakes you saw in-game from Joe Mazur. They knew the Knicks well. I mean, Grimes is driving baseline, and they're looking for his passes. They're, they were diving at Mitchell Robinson, diving at the guys at the three-point line, and he only had one turnover, but he could have had, like, three because there were a couple of deflections and a couple of plays that I think maybe were called blocks that really were more steals because Grimes got caught up in the air and didn't know what to do. And, and consider he didn't really play well in Miami either. Um, he's got to play better, you know, and, and I thought Tibbs did the right thing by gluing him on the bench after that foul. He didn't play the rest of the game, and I, I, he shouldn't have, even though we know what Grimes could be defensively. Like, you just got to be more in tune with the with what you're being asked to do or what the situation in the game is. You know that Dick's team in that huddle is saying, we can't foul, we'll give up a two. You just can't make those kind of mistakes. So playing against a team like the Charlotte Hornets, um, he's going to have a lot of mismatches in this one. I think, uh, especially in a game where you know, you know, Randall lobby minutes, RJ lobby minutes, like they're going to need some of these other guys to step up. Like Grimes is the guy I want to see. Give me a 20 point uh, game in this one. Like, you know, just like he did against the Brooklyn Nets, where he, I think, really, you know, kind of was the difference in kind of making that game just like a laugher with him being able to shoot the ball the way he did. Grimes needs to be aggressive. He needs to make up for, I thought, two games, which he can't have. Like, in the, like those are playoff caliber games against the Heat and the Celtics. You can't have two points and three points in those games like that, that that was unacceptable agreed agreed yeah it's uh he's he's and he's done a good job of, of bouncing back from bad games this season yes. um but uh yeah and again that's kind of the fine tune the things you want to kind of fine tune 
and use these games down the stretch is kind of figure out how to get a guy more involved because um, there's going to be, a, you know, maybe it's game two, the second half of game two of a playoff series um, where RJ's struggling and, and uh, IQ's, you know, maybe off that night. I You know, Grimes, because you know he's going to be on the floor because of what he contributes defensively. Um, need yeah. to find a way to get him going offensively um, when he's when he's not knocking, you know, when he's when he's in a little bit of a slump. Yeah, and then and before we move on, I mean, just thinking about where the Hornets are, I mean, right now, you know, they're fully invested in the Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes at this point. Um, They are one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, I think uh, in terms of the standings, only Detroit has a worse record in the Eastern Conference. So they will have a decent shot. They should be among the bottom four teams that will have equal percentage shots at the number one pick, along with San Antonio and Houston. Michael Jordan is their owner. You know, Knicks fans you know very familiar with Michael Jordan, like most of the NBA is, but particularly what he did to the Knicks in the 90s. What do we think of just him as an owner at this point? Uh, you know, I think there was excitement when he bought the team, originally uh, the Charlotte Bobcats and the Charlotte Hornets. But I, I don't know. It just feels like the Hornets have kind of perpetually kind of been kind of spinning their wheels with him in charge. Uh, it's kind of unclear how much basketball operations he's really, you know, invested himself in. But I think that this Jordan ownership of the Charlotte Hornets hasn't really worked out the way I think that a lot of people hope. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, uh, this time last year, they were one of the teams, you know, you, that were viewed as like a really young, yeah, rising team. a rising team. Yeah. Lamella Ball, Rookie of the Year, you know, great, vastly exceeding expectations. Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges playing at a very high level. Yeah. Um, PJ Washington, some other units. I think the Bridges thing really set them back. You know, as not just as a team this year, but as a franchise, um, mm. he shouldn't be anywhere near a basketball court and until that that situation gets legally resolved. Um, yeah. You know, so who knows how that that thing plays out? But that's a nightmare situation. Um, the James. I remember, Wolf- I remember earlier this season there was a word that the Charlotte was thinking about bringing him in this year. It was like a late Friday night news dump. Like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. They tried to sneak it in, and everyone was like, "Yo, yo, 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 no, no, like, nah, nah, nah." And I think maybe they, I think they may have used that kind of floated the weather balloon to see which which direction the wind was yeah. blowing, and then they realized uh, maybe Adam Silver said, you know, got on the phone and said, "Listen, you know, this, is, this, is, not, this is not gonna work." Um, so yeah, the, the book night draft pick um, that was a, that, that, that was another, another miss. terrible, you know. So yeah, um, MJ has been great, which isn't which isn't surprising. Um, you see guys that are so talented on the floor or when they kind of transition to coaching or, you know, these really top tier, top talented players. Um, there's a few that are exceptional. Larry Bird had some success both in the front office and, and on the sidelines. Um, but, you know, the Isaiah Thomas is the world. We've seen that it's difficult to make that transition when you're a star, especially when you're a star player. Um, you just have a different mentality. You come in from a different level. You know, you see it things a different way. Like you just, it's probably difficult to accept players limitations and not getting the max out of there. You know, for all the things we love about Kobe, he probably would have been a terrible coach he would have just he couldn't he right. wouldn't put up for a second with the player whereas you got sometimes you got to coddle them and understand yeah. that they're you know like just if they don't have that maniacal mentality um it's difficult to relate to so that might be some of the problems with mj yeah some of these uh some of these picks i mean you mentioned book night um we can talk about even kai jones has not really been able to do much um jt thor a young player who's getting yeah. some minutes now uh you know it's just I don't know. And then that Gordon Hayward signing, like that was like, that was, that didn't make any sense. And this is a team that made back-to-back playing appearances and got blown out yep. in both playing appearances games. And now, uh, you know, again, squarely in the Victor Vimbanyama sweepstakes. And maybe yet, this is where, maybe this is where they should be, honestly. Like, like and, but, to get to play and, and, and didn't get the playoffs. 
and there's like three, you know, four teams in the in the mix. Like whoever gets Wembyana, or if second place Scoot Henderson, that could change. You know, then all of a sudden you got Wembyana and 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 uh, Lamella Ball Lamella coming back Ball. next year. You, they're going to be predicted to make the playoffs a lot by a lot of yeah. folks. So you know, and then you then you then you're selling out every night, and and things are rosy. So so as we know, so much depends on those ping pong balls. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with the Charlotte Hornets moving forward. But kind of as Tommy mentioned, it's kind of wild to think of where we looked at them a couple of years ago and where they are now. I agree. The Miles Bridges thing really back. So speaking of of off the court situations, I think it's important to address uh, the biggest story in the NBA outside the New York Knicks, uh, which is what's going on with job Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. So the team announced that he would be uh, away from the team for at least two games. I don't Shams positioned it as a suspension. I haven't seen the team say that, but, uh, but he is away from the team. He didn't, he wasn't on in the game. Uh, the Clippers, they played the Clippers on Sunday. He was not there. He's not going to be at the Laker game as well this week. Um, he posted an Instagram live video of himself brandishing a gun while partying at a club following the Grizzlies loss to Denver Nuggets on Friday. Um, Morant issued an apology to the team and to the city of Memphis saying that he will be taking this time to learn better ways to handle stress and his overall well-being. Morant has been the headline for multiple wrong reasons this season. He had the uh, there was a Washington Post article that was dropped last week where they highlighted allegations that he beat up a 17 year old kid uh, at his house and then later showed up with a gun. Um, there was the incident that happened with the Indiana Pacers during a game earlier this season in which uh, the Pacers traveling party believed that Morant or someone in his entourage pointed a laser, a red laser into their bus. There had been several incidents with John Morant uh, on social media, you know, the couple of years ago, the tweet, you know, telling people that they could feel how, how hollows feel. Um, there was the incident at, the, at a mall where he showed up with 20 guys looking to threaten a security guard. So not a lot of good things happen with John Morant uh, right now. And he's now away from the team. How concerned should the league be with the John Morant situation right now? Yeah, very concerned. Um, he's a face of a franchise, essentially one of the promising young, we talk about teams on the rise. Grizzlies, you know, had he not gotten hurt, do they make the finals? Maybe, right, you know, they, right. they, they were, they, they are, they were one of the best teams in the NBA last year. Um, they are one of the best teams in the league this year when everyone's fully healthy. Um, you know, Jared Jackson finally back and staying healthy and playing well. Um, and as, and, and not only for Morant, you know, obviously personally, there's, there's the Nike contract he just got involved yeah. with. Um, we'll see how that plays itself out from the, from the, the personal perspective, I thought, um, Jalen Rose gave a gave a great you know kind of commentary on it, um, and I direct folks that are interested to to that. I retweeted the the uh, the NBA. Uh, I, did, I did as well. Yeah, um, and I and 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 I and I think that's where I'll direct folks because I can't fathom, I can't comprehend um, one being a young, rich, famous black man in America today with a hundred million dollars in your bank account. Everyone knows you signed a $200 million contract. And Jalen talked about, Jalen Rose talked about just kind of how um, the pressures, the, you know, the survivor's guilt of escaping a, you know, poverty stricken situation and the the pull to wanting to be accepted by your peers and folks you grew up with. Um, but the need to understand that there's a lot more at stake for you. Um, I thought Michael Wilbon had, had some, had some interesting comments on the situation as well. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested in your take, but um, yeah. I, I think I think what Rose did was I, what 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 was important from my takeaway from Rose's you know few minutes of talking about the situation is yes we can be annoyed at his knucklehead actions, but we should also have 
approach it with some empathy um, because this is a young man that seems to be dealing under, you know, under the weight of some mental health issues or some stress in, in, in some ways. And to me, it'll be fascinating. And I think it's really important. I thought the statement he released was a good first step, but it's really important for him to acknowledge the wrongdoing and understand that he needs to change because it's one thing if we all say, Hey, you know, Kyrie Irving, you shouldn't, you know, quote Alex Jones and, 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 and promulgate his messages or, you know, anti-Semitism, yeah. et cetera. But if he's going to reply, be like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like you guys are like, you guys losers. Like you guys aren't on my like mental plane, you know, like he clearly doesn't understand what, he, you know, he deleted his apology, you know, that being the perfect example. Um, hopefully Ja understands because when you get involved with guns and we've seen far too often in this country, um, the, 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 this, the destruction that, that can be wrought from firearms. Um, I hope for his sake and for the sake of the league that he realizes the changes in his life that he needs to make. Yeah, I think that one, I agree. Jalen Rose, again, I, I, I do encourage anybody to go check it out. He posted on his own Twitter account. It should still be up there about he just he had a long, it had to be like a four or five minute. Um, I won't definitely not a rant. I guess you would call it like just a message to John Morant. And a lot, a lot of it was talking about his own experience and his own life being in a similar position to John Morant. Uh, I think for me, the reason why I really enjoyed that Jalen Rose message to him was because I think it's different. You mentioned the Kyrie Irving thing. There's a major difference when you talk about firearms being involved, because now you're talking about, yes, you know, what Kyrie did, you know, there's a dangerous message that we put out there that could lead to violence, but John Morant dealing with guns in what it feels like now a cavalier way. Um, there's too much evidence now to suggest that he thinks of guns and he treats gun and gun culture cavalierly. He tweets about shooting people. He's showing guns that says 70 year old kids. Um, his entourage is pointing lasers. He's, you know, messing around with a gun at a nightclub with a bunch of other people. Like that could lead to direct violence. That could lead to someone directly being killed, whether it be himself or someone else. So that's why the messaging has to be, I think, a little tweaked and different. Yes, we could talk about he's making a lot of mistakes. He's going to ruin his life potentially. All that is true. But there's, there's, a, there's a chance that someone could be seriously hurt, whether it be himself or someone else, by how reckless he he's he's treating having weapons or, or his, his attitude towards guns. So I think for me, that was, I think, the important thing to kind of get him to understand like, look, everybody can have their own opinions on what you think of gun ownership or whatever. I'm not really on that right now. It's just about if that if that's what you're going to be about. You cannot act like that. You cannot uh, be so brazen. You cannot be so reckless. And uh, look, I, I don't I don't doubt that he's dealing with stress and mental health. Like to me, like I watched that video and said, this looks like a guy who's yes. dealing with something because that didn't make any sense to me. Like even think about this, like John Morant is the leader of a team that is contending for an NBA championship. I watched that Memphis Grizzlies Denver Nuggets game. I watched that game. They got washed in the fourth quarter. I mean, they 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 just they were they got outclassed. That was a game that was close, and then they just got run out of the gym. And you're playing against the you know the, the, the maybe presumptive MVP, and you lose that game in that fashion. And the next thing you do, like I, I kept trying to think in my head, like, yo, did they land in LA and he just went to a club? And I realized no, he had much of that in Denver. It's like he after that game and that performance, that's what he decided to do was go to a club, go on IG Live. Uh, and shirtless gun like come on like some of these things that like, you can kind of just see okay this person clearly is not in their right mind because yep. some things don't add up you can say oh he's stupid whatever it's like no i mean come on that's this is a guy who's trying to win an nba championship this is what he's doing after one of the you know worst losses of the season for their team so and, i think and, for 
Yeah. And, and when you mess around with guns, you don't even have to do anything malicious. Ask Plexigo Burris what happens when you when you slip upstairs and you have a gun in your pants and yet how that can ruin a, a championship a team that has championship aspirations exactly exactly and you know these nba teams and you know i have a good pleasure of, of knowing some people who know nba security like these nba teams have security that will exactly yeah. go with you whatever wherever you want yeah. um they're not going to go to a crack house or anything crazy obviously but you know you want to go to a club you want whatever they will make sure they'll have armed people with you to secure and ensure that nothing bad happens. So the idea that he feels like he he he's not does not need that, and that he can just go out there with just his crew. Like to me, it was even all like I. The other thing I thought about too was like, I mean, he just found like 20, 30 people to go with to him in Denver. Like even that to me was weird. It's like, it's like so his entourage is traveling with him now, and this is what they're doing after games. Or did he just find 20, 30 random people and say, "Yo, we're gonna just close down the club"? Like I don't know. Either one is bad. Like there are just a lot of things about this that were uh disturbing so I, I i i wish him well like i he's a extremely exciting player he's one of the more exciting players of this that's come in this league in the last 10 15 years and he's an important piece of this league i hope that he can get himself right i think you know what's most important his well-being and ensuring that he doesn't you know endanger himself but i think if you're the memphis Grizzlies, i think you do have to have real conversations about 100%. where where do you go at this point because it's super there's too many instances now where it, this is a guy you're entrusting your entire franchise. And you think about what happened with the war, the Wizards. You think about what happened with the Atlanta Falcons, like with Michael Vick. Like you entrust your franchise in a guy and something catastrophic happens with them. It could wreck your franchise, 100%. wreck your franchise. So uh, they're going to have to have tough conversations about what they do moving forward, John Moran, in my opinion. Very tough conversations because it's literally billions of dollars at stake for the league and particularly the franchise because that franchise goes as far as John Morant goes. Um, you know, make no mistake about it. They can be a championship contender with him playing well and, you know, and then keeping his nose clean and they could head the other direction um, if not. And, you know, since we're 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 Nick's pod, um, it you know, it's probably worth mentioning. Zion Williamson, the number one pick in that infamous, you know, 2019 draft, hasn't played in how long? Will he return again? Um, you know, is his has he played a playoff game yet in his career? I mean, how many games no. has he missed versus yeah. first? How many games has he played? John Morant, the number two pick, and and Nick fans, rightfully so, are endlessly frustrated that they got the third player in a two-player draft. Um, one of the reasons why you know you, you have faith in RJ is because he's been an incredibly upright professional just everything you yeah. could ask for from from a locker room guy to the way he's handled the media to the way he's handled his teammates to the way he's handled his on-court and off-court persona um so those those are all things that go into a career um it's you know it's probably worth mentioning it's not you know you don't want to jump to a conclusion too early about how one guy's a bust or one guy's clearly not as good as the other two guys um availability is is an important part of this business and and uh, rj to you know you can certainly say has been available and, and played the right way uh, since arriving in New York. Yeah, could not agree more with that. And one last, final thought on this is Adam Silver needs to get control of this league. Like, I, it feels like right now the equilibrium with the league is just completely off. Like, he's, he's talked about players feeling deeply unhappy with being in the NBA because of all the stuff they get from social media and all the stuff. And, you know, I, I, I'm seeing Trey Young calling Atlanta radio host hoes on Twitter – like I'm seeing Kevin Durant saying people don't like watching him play. They can just stop watching him. 
I'm um, seeing driving around in clubs toting guns, and it's like it, something's off. Something's not. Something is not right. Like the the NBA, and I know they're gonna barrel their way towards a CBA agreement that I don't know how much will fix things, but it just feels like right now things are are not going in the right direction. And I think that this is a symptom of that. I, I really do. Um, and I hope that John Murray gets help he needs, but I hope that the NBA uh, gives him the support he needs as well because uh, this was not good. And you and you know that there are, let's just say, there's a segment of folks out there that will jump on any time the, the NBA does goes in the wrong direction, not just the Knicks themselves, but the NBA in general. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, if they, if they, if there are missteps. They are, they're going to, they're looking to call them out for it um, for reasons we don't have to get into, but right, um, they, of course. They, have, they are, they are, they are motivated to find things that are wrong with the league and, and, and show how this is an example of, you know, the culture wars that are incessant in society. Um, and as far as silver goes, might he have one eye on that Disney, Disney CEO job. spot? Exactly. Um, you know, that that's kind of, you know, let let you know maybe he's just trying to stay out of the headlines we'll see but um i agree with you more most importantly directly to the point about john moran um for his again for his sake most importantly for his sake as a human being um his mental health um let's hope that um you know he can surround himself with the right people and that the grizzlies um can can put him in a position with which he can succeed um on the floor off the floor um and that he's a, a happy person and a successful basketball player yeah man if you care about john moran's career you care about his life Reach out to him. You got a positive word. I don't know yeah. if it's Mello, Allen Iverson, Stephen Jackson. Um, I don't want to just name drop those guys. Those are guys that have talked about uh, what, it, what it's been like to kind of being the crosshairs of the commissioner and, and the crosshairs of street life in the NBA. And yep. uh, they've talked eloquently about that. If those guys are Jalen Rose or, or just guys in the NBA now, um, you know, uh, those guys can help him out because, uh, you know, John Morant being in his right state of mind is best for him, of course, but also best for the entire basketball community. So I think that's a good place to leave it on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, let people know they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast uh, from Odyssey and WFAN. Be sure you can get these episodes whenever you, wherever you get your uh, podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you auto-download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes when we drop. Also, check us out on YouTube. You can find our videos uh, on the Odyssey Sports channel. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys for checking us out. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Take these guys. Peace.